the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Ted Cruz is up. Let's listen in, folks. ...of any interceptions of the Bernie Sanders campaign, Hillary Clinton campaign, or any other candidate in no. 2016 or campaigns? No. Okay. Let's revisit the topic, Ms. Yates, that, that you and Senator Cornyn were talking about. Okay. Uh, is it correct that the Constitution vests the executive authority in the president? Yes. And if an attorney general disagrees with a policy decision of the president, mm-hmm. a policy decision that is lawful, Does the Attorney General have the authority to direct the Department of Justice to defy the President's order? I don't know whether the Attorney General has the authority to do that or not, but I don't think it would be a good idea, and that's not what I did in this case. Well, are you familiar with 8 U.S.C. Section 1182? Not off the top. It is the binding statutory authority for the executive order that you refused to implement and that led to your termination. So it it certainly is a relevant and not a terribly obscure statute. Mm -hmm. By the express text of the statute, it says, quote, whenever the president finds that the entry of any alien or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem appropriate. Would you agree that that is broad statutory authorization? I would, and I am familiar with that, and I'm also familiar with an additional provision of the INA that says no person shall receive preference or be discriminated against in issuance of a visa because of race, nationality, or place of birth. That, I believe, was promulgated after the statute that you just quoted. And that's been part of the discussion with the courts with respect to the INA, is whether this more specific statute trumps the first one that you just described. But my concern was not an INA concern here. It rather was a constitutional concern, whether or not this... Um, The executive order here violated the Constitution, specifically with the Establishment Clause and equal protection and due process. There is no doubt the arguments you laid out are arguments that we can expect litigants to bring, partisan litigants who disagree with the policy decision of the president. 
I would note on January 27, 2017, the Department of Justice issued an official legal decision, a determination by the Office of Legal Counsel, mm -hmm. that the executive order, and I'll quote from the opinion, the proposed order is approved with respect to form and legality. That's a determination from OLC on January 27th that it was legal. Three days later, you determined, using your own words, that although OLC had, had opined on legality, it had not addressed whether it was, quote, wise or just. And I also, in that same directive, Senator, said that I was not convinced it was lawful. I also made the point that the office of OLC looks purely at the face of the document. And, and that's all it's supposed to look at is the face of the document at face value. Be enforceable, would be lawful. They importantly do not look outside the face of the document. And in this particular instance, particularly where we were talking about a fundamental issue of religious freedom, oh, not good the grief. interpretation of some arcane statute, but religious freedom. It, it had nothing to do with religious freedom. What religion is she talking about? Islam? Six countries were affected by this thing. Seven in the first one, six in the next one. And there were 42 other Muslim countries that were not affected. How does she justify this? This has formally approved the legality of a policy, and three days later, the Attorney General has directed the Department not to follow that policy and to defy that policy? I'm not, but I'm also not aware of a situation where the Office of Legal Counsel was advised not to tell the Attorney General about it until after it was over. Thank you, Ms. Yates. I, I, I would note that might be the case if there's reason to suspect partisanship. Sen Senator Klobuchar. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you very much. Uh, yeah, whatever. All right. <clears throat> Interesting. Yes, I was worried about discrimination on a religion, but the executive order didn't, dis didn't discriminate on a religion. That, that's the whole thing. The executive order did nothing of the kind. It prevented travel from seven initially, six subsequently nations. that were majority Muslim, yes. But there were, uh, again, as mentioned, 42 other nations, 43 other nations that were, not, that were majority Muslim that were not specified. So how can a rational human being conclude that there was some sort of religious test being imp implemented here? They can't. It was political, as Senator Cruz aptly pointed out. All right, let's pivot back, if we can, folks, to um, the goings-on this weekend on Fox News Sunday. Jonathan Gruber and Karl Rove were going back and forth over the merits of the American Health Care Act, which, of course, the, the Republicans in the House, their version uh, to amend Obamacare which I'm, I'm a fan no, uh, not of Obamacare or of the American Health Care Act. Uh, the American Health Care Act is superior to Obamacare, but that's like saying, you know, um, uh, Obamacare is a pile of dung. And it's not hard to be superior to a pile of dung, is it? So here's Jonathan Gruber, uh, and uh, kudos to Chris Wallace for coming out and... Um, basically saying, uh, well, uh, here, here's the track record of Obamacare, and, and why don't you defend it, Mr. Gruber? Premiums under Obamacare went up an average of 24% across the country this year. The average number of insurers... Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you hear what he said? It, up 24%, not, not in total, not for the entire 
six years, seven years that it's been implemented. This year, it went up 24%, and it has been double-digit increases for many years that Obamacare has been inflicted on this nation. Premiums under Obamacare went up an average of 24% across the country this year. The average number of insurers in each marketplace has dropped from 5.9 in 2015 to 3.9 now. Professor Gruber, in Iowa, there uh, is now uh, only one insurance company left in, in all but five counties in Iowa, and they just announced, Medica, that they're thinking of dropping out, which means there'd be no insurance companies for the marketplace in all but five counties in Iowa. Look, and whose fault is this? Before President Trump was elected, there were no counties in America that did not have an insurer. B.S. The, the, the trend was already starting under President Obama even before the election, Mr. Gruber. You are full of it. But, of course, here's a guy who believes that lack of transparency is a great political asset, you know, because the American people are stupid, he said. Since President Trump's been elected and massively... Wait, wait, wait. You're going to wait. You're going to blame the problems with Obamacare on President Trump? We had a situation under Obamacare where there was a one-time premium increase last year that made up for the fact that... Well, well, one-time premium, has there only been a one-time premium increase? The entire, the entire implementation of Obamacare? That's absurd. That's patently absurd. But here comes uh, the man who hopes you're all a bunch of stupid people. The one-time premium increase last year that made up for the fact that insurers massively underpriced in the first two years. <laughs> Out of the kindness of their hearts, I'm sure. The traitorous insurance companies underpriced. And yet premiums were still going up double digits, Mr. Gruber. How do you figure that? In, the problem was fixed. Insurers' positive profits were trending positively. Oh, really? so now we're concerned about the profits in the traitorous insurance companies, Mr. Gruber. You, an extremist lib. Insurers were saying positive things about their ability to stay in the exchanges and succeed. Then you have a president who comes in, undercuts open enrollment. Undercuts open enrollment. What's he talking about? Did Donald Trump do that? No, he didn't. Four days of commercials that were supposed to be bought with taxpayer dollars to promote Obamacare collapsed all of Obamacare. Uh, the Trump administration stopped four days worth of television spots. And Mr. Gruber says, oh, that, that caused the whole system to collapse. <laughs> you, you believe this, cat? If Obamacare could collapse, if it wasn't promoted four, four days worth of commercials, was it really that sturdy to begin with? Doesn't, doesn't honor the obligations this law makes to insurers. All right. And as a result, premiums are going up and insurers are exiting. You can look at the quotes from insurers I, I, themselves. Yes, 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 yes. Donald Trump has not done a blessed thing to Obamacare. He is maintaining all of the commitments that resident Obama put in all of them, every stinking last one of them uh, on the hope and assumption that the Republicans will get something done. Uh, yeah, the Democrats, I, I've got to remind you folks before we go to break here, the Democrats, how much they love and adore Jonathan Gruber, the man who said this lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. You know, call it the stupidity of the American voter or whatever. And Democrats just love themselves the goober, Gruber. You've already drawn some of the brightest minds from 
uh, academia and policy circles. Uh, many of them I've stolen ideas from liberally. Uh, people ranging from Robert Gordon to Austin Goolsby, John Gruber. According to Gruber, who has been our guide on a lot of this, it, it's somewhere in the vicinity of an $8 billion cost. Dr. Uh, Gruber, who has lots of experience in this area and is lending uh, the benefit of his experience and his insight. One of the nation's foremost economists, a man by the name of Jonathan Gruber, analyzed our bill and concluded that we'll help Americans pay less and get more. So Jonathan Gruber, the man who was banking on the, the alleged stupidity of the American voter, said that Obamacare was going to pay, have us all paying less and getting more. And just the opposite has occurred. We're all paying more. Well, 85% of us are paying more. And we're getting far less. We're getting crappy insurance. And much of it we can't even use. So thank you, Jonathan Gruber. Not only are you a complete moron, See, I, I, I don't even think he was a moron, folks. I think he knew exactly that Obamacare was going to do what it's doing right now, which is fail and do what it was supposed to do, kill the insurance industry. And, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the only positive I could see. The traitorous insurance companies get blown out of the water. Pretty happy about that. Back in a minute, the Chris Salcedo Show on The Blaze. Broadcasting with Latin flair. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Carl Rove did get his turn, folks, on Fox News Sunday this weekend, and he he went after Mr. Gruber, uh, uh, basically alleging that Mr. Gruber uh, was once again banking on what Mr. Gruber considers the stupidity of the American people, the stupidity of the American voter. And I have to remind you all, what is the universe that Mr. Gruber is picking from here. Those who believed resident Obama, when he said, like your plan, keep your plan, like your doctor, keep your doctor, save $2,500 a year for an average family of four who believed Obamacare was the solution to some problems in, in the medical and the insurance field. Those, those people. So that excludes conservatives That excludes the vast majority of the Republican Party. It excludes the vast majority of independents. So who are we left with? Libs, Democrats. And there are even some Democrats who didn't believe Obama, but there are a few. So the stupid people who believed all of this crap were Libs, were Dems. And all you Democrats out there, don't take it up with me. Take it up with Jonathan Gruber. You're the one who fell for his garbage. 
Look, last week, Dr. Gruber, uh, he blamed it all on the insurers because, uh, but but uh, they guessed wrong. Really, actually, the government told them to uh, to consider that they would get a lot more healthier, younger people uh, than they actually got in any single year that this program's have been in effect. So let me get this straight. Jonathan Gruber said that all of these young, uh, healthy people would be so willing to to take it in the shorts so they could subsidize older and sicker people. And that didn't pan out. That didn't happen. <laughs> but Jonathan Gruber said that they're going to be there. Smartest man in America, the architect of Obamacare, said they were going to be there. And he dares to call other people stupid? He said Trump stopped the ads. Trump stopped the ads on the 26th of January, and the end of the enrollment period was the 31st. Really, the problems of Obamacare are going to be solved by four days worth of TV ads. That's what I was talking about, is when, when Jonathan Gruber said that, that Trump undercut Obamacare. Four days of ads. Really? He also said the executive order said not to enforce the individual mandate and that that caused distribu- problems, dis- disruption in the force. Well, President Obama delayed the individual mandate for two years and the employer mandate for a year. So you hear what Rove's saying there is the fact that, uh, let me get this straight, oh, uh, Trump's in there for two months and says that the IRS will not enforce the individual mandate. If you don't, I took a call from an earlier version of the Salcedo show today, folks. And they said that you can't mark no, you have to leave it blank on your tax returns. Leave it blank. If you mark no, you're still going to get tagged on uh, on your uh, tax returns. They should have made that more clear. Anyhow, but just this these two months, was enough to throw Obamacare in a complete death spiral. But when Obama pro- uh, violated his own law and delayed the individual mandate for two years, oh, that didn't do it. And when he, when he delayed the employer mandate for a year, oh, that didn't do it. But Trump does it for a couple of months and the whole damn thing collapses. Again, Jonathan Gruber lying to all you stupid people out there. Again, all you conservatives and vast majority Republicans and independents, he's not talking, I'm not talking about you guys. Jonathan Gruber is talking about those who believed in Obama and Obamacare. And finally, he said, oh, the, he talked about the cost sharing payments and that caused distress among the insurance companies. Well, the insurance companies are getting the cost sharing payments, despite the fact that last year a federal judge declared them illegal. So basically what what Rove is saying is that Trump's continuing even the Ill- illegal payments to Obamacare, even though a federal judge said they were illegal. Trump's continuing everything. With the with the assumption that the Republicans are going to do something to rid us of Obamacare. So Jonathan Gruber, again, is being completely disingenuous, still banking on the stupidity of, well, whoever bought it to begin with. Last October, Dr. Gruber said the program is working exactly as we designed it. Now, it was designed, as he said earlier, with the stupidity of the American people built into their calculations of how to sell it. But it is a broken right. system. Okay, so basically you have a system which was not working perfectly, but it was a system which was very fixable. The question but, but, is, can you respond why, to what Carl just said? Well, what, working what as just, designed. It is working as a design. There's no, there is no sense in which it needs to be fixed, Mr. Gruber said. Uh, Rove is reading from a news account. So just a few Whenever that that article was written a few weeks ago, a few months ago, Gruber was saying it's working as advertised. And of course it was nothing to fix, said Gruber. But now, oh, oh, now it needs fixing. The law is working as designed. The law could absolutely be improved. My man's just a liar, folks. Jonathan Gruber is a weasel leftist liar.
and he thinks you're all stupid. <laughs> uh, last thing I wanted to address on this topic before we start moving on to sanctuary cities. Chris Wallace uh, fell into this trap that was set by the leader of the basket of bias, CNN. CNN was looking at the working group that was put out there to attack the repeal of Obamacare on the Senate side. And they said, oh, there's no women. There's no women. How could it be good if there's no women? And then Chris Wallace took it a step further. Uh, There was a good deal of pushback to the optics. Take a look at this picture of the president's victory celebration with House Republicans in the Rose Garden. And if that wasn't enough, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell announced his working group on health care reform. And if you notice something all of those people have in common, it's 13 white men. Brett? 13 white men, said Chris Wallace of Fox News Channel. Um, One of those men was Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, I... I hate to point out to Chris Wallace, who said just last week that there were no sanctuary cities in the state of Texas. (laughs) Complete, flat out wrong. I'd just like to point out that that Ted Cruz is a Latino. Um, Mr. Wallace, the moderator of Fox News Sunday. I'd just like to point that out from the back row. Good grief. The Chris Salcedo Show will be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Latino conservative, Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. And if that wasn't enough, Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell announced his working group on health care reform. And if you notice something all of those people have in common, it's 13 white men. Brett, first of all, what do you think of the pushback and the concern about that? And secondly, what about this argument that this is going to be as big a political burden for Republicans in 2018 as it was for Democrats who lost more than 60 seats in the House in 2010? First of all, I'd say that this whole health insurance issue is not a racial issue. Amen. Thank you, Brett Hume. It's why, why point it out? Why does it make a difference if it happens to be all men? What's the matter with having men? who have expertise in this particular area and the working group on there. What's the matter? It's not saying that women uh, shouldn't belong in decision-making processes. It's just that the best people for the job were chosen. The best people for the job. Oh, and this, and this, this zealousness of Chris Wallace to basically say, oh, look at all those bunch of white guys. And Ted Cruz is sitting right there. This narrative that even Chris Wallace is participating in. Oh, Trump, white supremacist, male white supremacist. It just bugs the living daylights out of me. I mean, Chris Wallace is not on a, on a really good track record, folks. This basically ignoring the fact that Ted Cruz is on that panel, number one. Number two, last week talking about there are no sanctuary cities in Texas. <laughs> You might want to visit Dallas sometime, Mr. Wallace, or San Antonio, or Austin, or Houston. 
They are the sanctuary cities in the state of Texas, sir. The blueberries in the tomato soup, if you will. Let's talk about how this law that was just signed by Governor Greg Abbott, first in the nation, folks. Last night, he did it on, he did it on social media on YouTube. Of course, the lefties went crazy because they couldn't muster all their, their pro-illegal alien folks <laughs> to go protest in front of the governor's mansion in time. So they were all apoplectic today. But let's talk about this. With Eric Cedillo, he is the founder of the law offices of Eric Cedillo. He attended the University of Texas at Austin, where he received his undergraduate degree from St. Mary's School of Law, where he obtained his Doctor of Jurisprudence. For nearly a decade, Eric has been a member of the adjunct faculty at the SMU at Dedman School of Law, where he has run the Consumer Advocacy Clinic. Mr. Cedillo, welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right. First off, your take on the law that was just signed into law uh, by by Governor Abbott. What do you think? Well, you talk about the uh, the legal challenges or the uh, actual lawsuits that may be filed. I think there's a couple of ways in which it's going to be attacked. The first of which is going to be with those ICE detainers that you're talking about. Now, in all reality, the actual ICE detainers are civil in nature, and they're actually requests by the federal government. Federal government cannot conscribe states to do the bidding of the federal government. As such, they have to be voluntary. So what these things are is telling these local law enforcement, hey, look, we're sending you this. Please comply with it. So actually the sheriffs have the ability to say, well, I want to do it or I don't want to do it. What's happened now is the state of Texas has basically said you must do it. So there's going to be a question, I think, of whether or not these local authorities have the ability to assert the Tenth Amendment, saying, hey, federal government, you can't really conscribe us to do these things. And through the Texas legislature, that's kind of what you're doing. So I well, think let, that's let, going to be the let, initial let, question. Yeah, let, let's, let's, uh, let's examine that for a minute, because you're sure. right. If, if this was a federal law that right. was being handed down commanding the state of Texas to comply, I think there would be a good judicial challenge to this. Right. However, this is the state saying this is now the policy of the state of Texas that we will cooperate with, right. with detainers on illegal alien felons. So uh, because it is the state saying that this is the state's policy – and, you know, it, 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 consistent with states' rights that, we, you know, you have the right to either comply or not comply. Texas right. has said we choose to comply. So right. and, and the state has supremacy over these local jurisdictions. I mean, d- d- does this really uh, stand a, a snowball's chance in Hades of working? Well, that's a, that's the distinction that uh, that other laws, when they uh, assert that the federal government can't do that, this, that's why this is a little bit different, and it's going to be a little closer question, I think, and it's one that uh, that you know, quite honestly, we don't have the answer until it gets in front of a, a federal judge. So yes, since the uh, state legislature has acted upon it, I think that's on a, a different legal ground in terms of the assertion of the Tenth Amendment. So you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, we have these cases, and I and I bring up the one about this judge in Oregon. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. She was the one who allowed an illegal alien who was in her court, uh, a multiple-time felon. He was in her court because of drunken driving, putting the public at risk. And ICE was waiting to deport him, and she enabled the illegal alien to avoid ICE arrest. And he was out on the streets for two more weeks until ICE caught up with him. Then you have, of course, the what happened out in uh, San Francisco County, with the, the sheriff's office there request, being requested to hold a man who would eventually be let loose by San Francisco County and kill Kate Steinle. And there are examples all across the country of this. I mean, the, the, the frustration, I believe, Eric, of the American people is why is it that, that certain jurisdictions have the ability to thumb their nose at federal law they don't like 
and and get away with it. But if but if I, as a conservative or the state of Texas were to say, you know what, that Obamacare federal law, we're not going to comply. How do you like that? I mean, at the end of the day, there has to be a recognition of what of what the federal supremacy is. And I'll and I'll take it back to Arizona, Arizona, where they said, we just want to help the federal government enforce immigration law. Obama said, no, we don't want your help. And they sued Arizona on this because the federal government has exclusive purview. When when do we do we say to these elected leaders and, and by and large, they're Democrats, uh, that you, it is not OK to thumb your nose at federal law? Well, you know, you have to ask the question, what exactly is the federal law? And, and, and there is no doubt that there are federal laws. U.S. Code uh, 8, 1373 requires it's federal law that requires the sharing of information the allowance of immigration into our jails to pick up individuals. But the question uh, in terms of whether or not this is a law uh, on the detainers specifically, the ICE detainers, which is basically telling the sheriff, you must hold these people after they've already made bail. You must hold them until ICE picks them up. The problem the sheriffs have, in all honesty, it's not just a, a question of I want to protect these individuals. It's about getting sued by these you know, other individuals who say, wait a minute, you have not vetted that in terms of the Fourth Amendment, uh, you know, uh, whether or not this person has any spoken to a judge, received an issue of seizure of this person, things of that nature. It's a civil detainer. It's not a criminal detainer. A criminal detainer by the federal government is going to be honored every time. Uh, this is civil in nature and voluntary. So that's where sheriffs are like, well, I'm going to get sued if I do this. Additionally, my budget constraints are such that I'm going to have to hold this person you know, for a lengthier period of time. And if we're talking about thousands of individuals, where do I get those additional monies? So, you know, it's going to be something that needs to be kind of uh, fleshed out a bit more. But in terms of them actually violating law, up to this point, the sheriffs had the ability to do that. Right. In terms well, of the Eric nature of the detainers. Eric Cedillo is my guest right now, founder of the law offices of Eric Cedillo. And see, and, and this is this is the group that Texas is targeting, and a lot of folks are targeting around the country, including the Trump administration, individuals who are multiple-time deportees, multiple-time felons, dangers to the community. But these individuals are being let loose back on the streets by the previous administration and by more left-leaning municipalities uh, because they are making the call as to what is really a serious felony and what is really not a serious felony. Yeah. And my, my question to you is, is it in their purview to make that that decision, or is it above their pay grade? I would rationalize it's above their pay grade. Well, in all honesty, up to this point, it was within their purview. Uh, now that the Texas legislature has spoken, we're going to have to see what uh, what it is they can do, uh, or what it is they're what is happening. I think the support from the state government is saying, if you're sued for these things, we're going to support you. So that might be a different distinction or, or wrinkle for some of these sheriffs in terms of, of what they do. There's no doubt that, you know, the individuals who commit, you know, uh, serious deportees, serious crimes, that, that most people, you know, I don't care how liberal thinking you are, don't want those folks in our country if they're not here legally. I don't think that's a question at all. The question that we really need to get to is, I think, for these local sheriffs, not so much protecting these individuals as how do we give them the tools to, you know, do it properly. Uh, so I think that's the big question that some of these sheriffs, lo local sheriffs, in, in the state of Texas, you know, we honor these detainers at over 90 percent, which is much higher than any other state in the country, uh, and and twice as many, you know, as California, which is the second in terms <laughs> of, uh, you know, in terms of the actual honoring of ICE detainers. 
Uh, Eric, you know, uh, uh, the, the last measuring stick I want to use for, for compliance with the law yeah, yeah. in Texas is the state of California. That's for sure. Eric Cedillo, everybody, he's the founder of the law offices of Eric Cedillo. Always appreciate your time and expertise here on the Salcedo Show. Absolutely, Chris. All right, folks, we'll get back. We'll get your calls. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. Salcedo Show on the Blaze. Telling the truth. It's one of those jobs American liberals won't do. That's why we need the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo. The Blaze Radio Network. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. All right, let's go out to uh, the state of Massachusetts. Scott is calling in. Scott, welcome to the Salcedo Show, man. Chris, what's up? Always a pleasure, my friend. How are you today? I'm all right. Uh, so we've covered an awful lot today from I agree. From, I was from illegals I, I to, to Yates and to the Russia scandal to uh, what else? To be, are we, uh, oh, yeah, to Jonathan Gruber and... Uh, and the, the replay, repeal and replace, what, what, what is on your mind today? Chris, I could go, no joking or exaggeration, in one of nine directions. Like I said, uh-huh. give me a microphone. When we'll take the show till 8 p.m. tonight, Eastern time. I could keep talking. Uh, where go. do I begin? All right, I, I'm aware of the clock, though. we got about four or five minutes. First of all, yes, the, the BS going on in the liberal spin is ridiculous. Um, I have two topics, so please allow me to uh, hit both. First, Trey Gowdy. Where do I get the sign, Trey Gowdy, for president? He's my favorite. I love him. He is a no BS guy. He, he's the best prosecutor. You know, I'm doing the air quotes. Prosecutor I've ever seen. I'll tell you what. If I got a DUI, I wouldn't want him cross-examining me, Trey Gowdy. Yeah, well, if only he wanted the job. What, what is his political aspirations, would you say? Do you know anything None. about him? Or? He wants to get out of Congress, and he wants to uh, get back into private practice. Mm, understandably so. That's where the money is. He's yeah. talented. Do you agree? I, I think Trey Gowdy's amazing. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's one of our favorites. But again, I think that he 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 has probably been disillusioned by what, what goes on up there on Capitol Hill. I think it's not so much the fact that he wants to get back and make some more money. He wants to get out of that cesspool in Washington. Yeah, you know what? Let me withdraw and rephrase. That was actually poorly chosen words. I shouldn't have said that. Money. He's a public servant. Money's probably the last thing on his mind. So that was a I misspoke there, and I apologize. Well, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be successful. I mean, uh, I'm sure that that's every conservative has in his mind uh, uh, working hard and being a success and getting rewarded for your for your effort. I don't think that's that's not a problem. That's why I didn't balk at it when you said it. I knew what you meant. But the the best politicians, though, they aren't in it. They don't care. They don't care what the salary is. They actually care about the country and the populace over the hof, over the office of which they lead. Well, if that you were know? true, we wouldn't have career politicians. Uh, <laughs> well said. The, 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 yeah, those those who want to, to uh, do their service and do their duty get in. They're in there to to as long as they can financially hold out, do their service, and they leave. And then they go back into the private sector and make money. See, the reason why Democrats stay and and become and and those who are of the liberal persuasion stay there, like like uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain, is because they're not talented to do much of anything else. Chris, I, I could go on and on. I'll do my next topic. Like I said, I wish I, had, I wish we had more time. But let me switch gears really quickly, okay? All right. 
This is related to the whole Obamacare health insurance issue. Do you remember about six to seven months ago, Meals on Wheels was all up in arms because the government cut their funding by, I don't know what the number was, 10%, 11 whatever it was. It's, uh, it's moot. But me, do you, are you with me? Remember Meals well, on Wheels? Well, yeah, it was a proposal. It never got cut because it was just a proposal. Okay. Well, you know more than me, as usual, but yes. Point being, though, do you know once, they, once that even made the news, they've never had more cash flow in their lives? My point being, people are inherently good, you know. Now, on the news, all you hear about is the bad people. I'm here in Boston. You put the news on, another murder, another there. It's depressing. But guess what? There's a lot of good people out there, too. And once people saw that Meals on Wheels was getting cut funded, the people said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'll donate 20. They've never had more cash. The, the, the genesis of my point here, Chris, is that if you get government out of the way, everything will operate more smoothly. Well, that's, that, that's axiomatic. I mean, that, that, is, that is a truism. And you know what? Uh, if you want an exercise in frustration, Scott, uh, watch CBS Evening News. And uh, because I, I, I can only stomach it once once a week when I go over to have dinner at my folks' house. Uh, and then and then I just I just sit there and I, I literally yell at the TV. Bias, 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 bias. Oh, oh, gee, that's completely that's fair. I, I say sarcastically, you, you, you want to get your blood pumping and you want uh, you, you want an exercise in um, in futility. Head to uh, head to CBS News and try. I'm making air quotes with my fingers. Try to Chris, digest I got one that. more for you. I don't mean to ever overspeak the host. Excuse me, but I know how quickly phone calls can end on radio. Excuse me for interrupting you there. I do my best. You got about ever. 60 seconds to make that point, but go ahead. All right, here we go. This is a local story. Do you get ready for this one? You'll run with this one oh, tomorrow, maybe. Harvard. Oh God, here we go. Right. <laughs> Harvard graduation is having a separate ceremony for black graduates. <laughs> that's news. That's that. No, this is this is real. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I I completely and thank you for the call, Scott. I completely believe it. I completely believe it. You know why? Because well, I got to be honest with you, folks. Liberals. Uh, we'll answer it tomorrow. I, uh, society's worth not measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. See ya. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.